Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 53, How to Choose Public Land for Turkey Hunting. And I am your host and person who had forgotten how good Dwight Yoakam's music is. I used to listen to Dwight a lot when I was younger and in college and enjoyed it a whole lot and just completely forgot about it until I decided to create the Dwight Yoakam channel on Pandora. So now I'm back into Dwight. We are now 166 days, 19 hours, 34 minutes, and 45 seconds away from opening day of turkey season in Alabama. You know, I've been asking you guys for input for show topics lately, and I've gotten some really, really good suggestions from a few of you, and I thank you for that. One of the suggestions I got was from Rob Fridley, whom I have emailed with a few times over the past several months. Rob had a terrific show topic idea, and here's the email that he sent me. Andy, good morning from West Virginia. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate what you're doing with the Turkey Hunter podcast and all the content that's available on your website. I look forward to them every week, and it's the next best thing to actually being in the woods. I have an idea for a guest for your show. I don't know if you're ever on oldgobbler.com or not, but there's a gentleman on there named Dave Owens who goes by the screen name Cove. He hunts across the country every year hunting public land and has been very successful. It would be great for him to explain what he looks for in finding public land to hunt on and maybe the planning and scouting that goes into all that. Maybe he could also share some stories about hunting public land as well, good and bad. I think he could offer a lot of insight that a lot of people would be interested in. Thank you for your time and all that you do. Rob Fridley. So I got on oldgobbler.com and I looked Dave up and I was very impressed. I was not only impressed with his hunting successes, which he shares on the site, but I was also impressed with his generosity in helping others on the site and his positive attitude. If you guys have spent any amount of time on these hunting forums or any forum for that matter, you know that they have a bunch of trolls on them. People who are negative and very unhelpful, and Dave is not one of those guys. So I logged into oldgobbler.com and sent Dave, who goes by the handle Cove Hunter, a private message about the show and wanting to get him on as a guest. He replied within a few hours, and we had a day and time set from there. After I got a time set with him, I emailed Rob. And I asked Rob if he wanted to join us on the call and ask Dave some questions. Rob quickly replied with a yes and, well, here you go. 
Now, before I cut you loose on the interview, the audio is bad. I'm just gonna go ahead and warn you. Now, this is the second freeconferencecall.com recording where I've had bad audio. So it looks like the last freeconferencecall.com call that I will ever do and record. Bear with the spots where the audio is bad because if you wanna hunt public land in another state or in your own state, then you're gonna get some really great info from this interview. Also, as what happens very often when you get two or more die-hard turkey hunters together, we started talking turkey, and two and a half hours went by without my knowing. So, I've cut this interview into two parts. This is part one. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm glad to have you guys along and I'm also very excited to have on the call with me this evening Dave Owens and Rob Fridley. Rob is a friend of the show who has reached out to me several times in the past with show ideas and we just so happen to have Dave Owens on the line with us who is going to share with us his insight into one of the topics that Rob wanted to cover today and that topic is hunting public land, but not so much just hunting public land like you would think. This is digging a little bit deeper. We're actually going to dig a lot deeper with Dave on the topic of hunting public land because Dave and I have a little something in common, and that is that we're trying to kill turkeys in all 49 states that have humble populations of wild turkeys. And Dave is farther along in his quest than I am. And Dave does a lot of his hunting on public land. So we're going to discuss today about how Dave chooses the land that he hunts. And we're going to really dig in with him. I've got Rob on the call because Rob has some questions for Dave. And I am excited to get into this because there's something about public land hunting to me that is really special. You know, when you go and you hunt private land, when you hunt a good piece of private land, you're still turkey hunting, but it's almost like you're cheating a little bit. And hunting public land and hunting these birds that are pressured, that have a bunch of other hunters chasing after them, kind of levels the playing field a little bit. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I'm too good to hunt private land because I do it all the time. But those public land hunts are really fun, and I think it's just when you mark that tag and put that tag on a turkey on public land, knowing that you did the scouting, you did all of the walking, all the preparing, all the calling, all the shoot, and now you got to do all the toting out of the woods and everything else, it just really adds a little bit of something special to that hunt. Special enough when we get to kill a turkey, any turkey, but taking one on public land makes it a little bit more special. So Rob suggested that I get Dave on the call with us to discuss this topic because Dave is on the old Gobbler Forum, and I'll let him explain all that in a little bit. And that's how Rob found Dave was on the old Gobbler Forum. And so Rob made the suggestion to get Dave on the show, and I said, well, let me go check him out. So I went to the oldgobbler.com forum and found Dave on there. And I started looking at some of his posts on the forum. And I just ran out of daylight. There's so many of them on there. And there's so many pictures and so many stories. And Dave is very 
forthcoming with information with when people ask him questions on there. And I thought, this is the perfect guy to have on the show to, to cover this topic. So, Dave, how are you today and where are you? I'm doing all right for it to be September. It's uh, better than July and August, that's for sure, but not near as well as I would be if it was March or April. So, I'm at home now in, in, uh, in, uh, in Georgia. Well, we're about to mark September off the list, too. They seem to be chucking on by, don't they? I know it, yeah. And cooler temperatures is always a little little more inviting. For sure. Well, Rob, same question to you. How are you and where are you? I'm doing well. I'm in West Virginia, about two weeks out from fall turkey season. So getting excited, getting ready for that. It's a little something to do to kill the time until spring rolls back around. Well, I wish you luck at this fall in the woods and hopefully you'll send me a few pictures of you with a dead turkey absolutely dave tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting a little bit about myself would be that i'm a turkey hunter and that's about all i got going (laughs) i don't do much else i'm a turkey hunter and that's about it i do hunt a little bit everything but uh but turkey hunting is is the thing that i uh set my time aside for everything else i kind of do on the side i got started in turkey hunting i'm not really sure what caused me to get to get started with turkey hunting but i tell you what it did uh whatever it was hit hit home because my dad was a big hunter but he was he's was just exclusively a deer hunter but he was an obsessive deer hunter still is to this day but uh, i started i don't know what my fascination was with turkeys but i remember not even being able to drive yet so i was young and i would pester my dad to, to take me turkey hunting and he would do it a, you know a handful of times a year just to pacify me um i'm sure i was a, a nagging young boy and he was just trying to be a good father there so he took me out a few times and uh i don't know i killed my first turkey when i was 14 years old and it was believe it or not my dear old mom i guess i pestered her enough too because uh, we had a friend of the family that had a little property, had turkeys on it, and I had talked her into, on the weekends, bless her heart, she would wake up a couple hours before daylight and drive me about 25 minutes over to this friend of the family's property, drop me off, and come back and pick me up in their driveway at lunch. Well, I killed my first turkey on their on their little parcel of property there. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's how I got started. I don't know why. No one that I knew turkey hunted, and I guess that was kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time, so. Well, you got a good mom. I can tell you my mother would have <laughs> thrown in some choice words and told me to walk. Yep, exactly. Bless her heart. She, if she knew what it would have blossomed into, she'd probably probably go back in time and uh, and redo that a little bit. Maybe send me to the ball field or something, see if I couldn't get a scholarship. But um, they don't give out many scholarships for turkey hunting. But, yeah, she she did. She would get up in the, in the mornings and drive me over there and then drive back home and come back and get me at lunch. So she's partially to blame for this. I tell her that all the time. <laughs> when she starts complaining about me not giving her any grandbabies, then I start saying, you know, you're the one that took me turkey hunting when I couldn't drive. So, <laughs> uh, That's too funny. Too funny. I completely understand my mother tells my dad that she created a monster in me. I'm sorry that she tells him that he created a monster in me. And, but he, he didn't turkey hunt and still doesn't turkey hunt. So... The monster he created is just a hunter. Yeah, my, my my dad was just a deer hunter for a night. I don't I don't now he turkey hunts now. I got it. I, I, I lit that fire and and he turkey hunts now. Still not as much as he deer hunts, but he does. He chases them. I've got a little sister and she was in the travel softball and that happened at the same time. So um that you know monopolized his time a little bit during the spring. But he does he does chase turkeys now. So yeah, and with me it kind of played out the same way too. Mine. You know, I grew up, my dad deer hunted and my uncle deer hunted and other people in my family deer hunted and 
I watched Will Primo's turkey hunt one day and just fell in love with it and thought, you know, I'm going to go try that. So, you know, I went and got me a little cheap box call and some mouth calls and went up behind my uncle's house and hunted hard hard at it for the first year and came down to the last last hour of the last day of turkey season and struck a gobbler and off in the distance and didn't really know what I was doing then. And by not calling so much, it actually worked to my favor. And <laughs> just never forget that, that feeling of, uh, you know, having one five yards from you, full fan spitting and drumming and strutting up. And it was just, just I was hooked from then on out. And now I got uh, my brother, you know, I got him, got him into it pretty hardcore. And my dad and my uncle, they they turkey hunt a little bit, but, um, you know, they're more deer hunters, but just, just cool to get everybody involved in it. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. That's what we got to do is get more folks involved that, involved in it, especially more kids. They're definitely the future of the sport, so it's good to get as many of them involved as we can. Well, Dave, I've got a trick question for you. So I started doing this thing a couple of months ago that I call rapid-fire Q&A. And what I do on the rapid-fire Q&A is I put, I've got 30 questions, and if you're game to play, we'll run through, ask you these 30 questions, get you to answer all 30 of them. I will let you say pass as an answer. And if you say pass on all 30, then I'm going to have to call you out on it. <laughs> I'll run through, ask all 30 questions, and we'll time you as we go along. And right now, I'm pretty sure, I have to go back and double check, but I'm pretty sure Wayne Theaters has the record with three minutes and just over one second. So three minutes and one second. Mm-hmm. It's the fastest that anybody's gone through this. And if you're willing to take it on, I'll put the timer on the clock and we'll rock and roll with them. Hey, let's uh, let's give it a shot. We'll see what happens. All right. And it wasn't really a trick question. I'm just putting you on the spot. <laughs> so, all right. Let's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull the phone away from my ear here and get the clock set, and then we'll roll with this thing. I'm going to put you on speaker as well, so if the audio gets a little bad here, you all have to bear with me. All right. As soon as I start asking the first question, I'm going to hit go. Yes, sir. <clears throat> How many full-body turkey mounts do you own? Zero. How many turkeys did you kill last year? Oh, uh, not enough. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, or wing bone? Diaphragm. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola, or with water? It's still with cola. All right. Number of grand slams? Ooh, I think I've got 10 now. I'd have to go back and count. All right. Make of your shotgun? Uh, Franke. Make of your favorite shotgun shell, turkey shell? I hand load, but I guess if a favorite, I'd say the federal heavyweight of uh, what's available over the counter. All right. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? No. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. All right. A 10-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour-long hunt? That's on a 10-minute hunt on a two-year-old. All right. Favorite camo pattern? Mossy oak, bottomland. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? For dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. 30 mile per hour winds blowing at home the last day of turkey season. Are you hunting or sleeping in? You ain't going to kill them if you don't swing the bat, so I'm out there. <laughs> State you killed your first turkey in? Uh, Georgia. State you killed your last turkey in? Oh, my last one. I think we were in Michigan. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? I'd rather squeeze the trigger, I guess, but you don't know if you're going to be able to keep me in a blind that long. That's rough. Rios or Osceolas? Osceolas. Osceolas or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? 
Uh, Eastern's, I guess. Public land out west or private land in southeast? Public land out west. Two and three quarter inch, three inch or three and a half inch shells? Three inch, 20 gauge. All right. Uh, I'm going to probably blow it on this one. Four, five, six or blended shot? Uh, shoot eight or nine. Nines. Yep. There you go. Number nines. <laughs> Field turkeys or woods, woods turkeys? Woods. Pump or automatic? Automatic. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or bead? Holographic. Boots, leather boots or snake boots? Uh, I think we cut out a little bit, but hiking boots. Okay. You risk a bird this afternoon and it's pouring rain at daylight. Do you hunt? Absolutely. What place you've ever hunted? Uh, favorite? Yes. I'm going to have to say the hardwood ridges here at home. All right. With technical difficulties, three minutes and 47 seconds. Yeah, we had a little breaking up there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to start you a new classification. So the, you've got the fastest time with technical difficulties. How about that? <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate I'm you I'm going to move around a little bit in the house. I don't know if it's my phone. I've never had problems with cell phone reception here, but I'm going to move around in the house a little bit to make sure that it's not me. Well, we're not on Skype this time, so there's no telling what end the problem is on. I'm, I'm actually on vacation this week, so I'm using my cell phone and Rod, okay. you're on your cell phone, and Dave, you're on yours as well. So we'll just blame it on yeah. all of the cell carriers. How about that? <laughs> Sounds That's good. Right. Well, Rod, do you have a question you want to start off with for Dave? Yeah, Dave, when you're looking in the particular place to go, you know, to turkey hunt public land, could you kind of share with us what exactly you're looking for? I guess if you're just talking about a state in general, say you're wanting to take on some particular state, First off is obviously going to be turkey population. You don't want to hunt where there's not birds. So I always, there's a wealth of knowledge out there, technology, internet, the king, you know, now. So um, you can find a pile of stuff online from harvest statistics to just population, you know, all kind of things of that nature are out there. So you may get, you know, whether you want to hunt in the northeastern part, part of the state, northwestern, so, you know, whatever, you know, generalize it to a certain area of the state. But you also got to make sure that you're not dealing with one of these states that only has a limited number of permits for a certain part of the state. So you kind of, you know, you got to play in all the factors there because you may be limited to only being able to hunt a certain part of the state, like uh, just for some that pops to my head, Michigan this past year, you're only allowed to get a certain general permit for, uh, you know, it wasn't good for the for the public lands in the, the lower peninsula. So, you know, you weren't, you know, the, you obviously weren't out there. You don't want to do research where you can't hunt. So obviously figure out where you can hunt and then figure out either use the Internet or whatnot, figure out harvest statistics. That or what my, I guess my favorite is like MRI, most recent information. What I like, I mean, it's just like somebody that's been there and preferably within the last couple of years, if you're able to make a friend or through social media or whatever that may have already possibly been there and can give you some uh, a scoop on a certain area, that is obviously always, you know, your winning hand there. But let's just say, for instance, you can't, it's typically that, you know, state agency's website that you can research on. Right. Yeah, and I've even had luck calling and people in the department in that area. I knew I was going to be hunting in Michigan just because you mentioned the state. Then, you know, I kind of uh, places the UP, a few pieces of public land, and I would get on the phone after I was on the Internet and found the biologists in that area or a game and fish contact for that area, get on the phone and call them and talk to them and, pretty open and honest with their information, especially if you tell them I'm from out of state. If you, I think if you told them, hey, I'm John Doe and 
I live a mile and a half from this piece of public land, there are the turkeys on it. If that's their honey hole, they might be more likely to tell you no. But yeah. if they know you're going to come and go, you're going to be there and gone. They, my experiences have been very open to people that I've called and made a lot of good suggestions because we actually had Michigan on our to-do list for last year, me and my group of guys that I do this with every year. And we ended up scratching it off the list just because of time constraints. And mm-hmm. that's what we did. We found a few pieces of public land up there that we were going to go and check out. And I started calling. I called NWTF biologists in that area. I called people at the Game of Fish Department in, in those areas and talked to them and was able to find out a lot of very helpful information that way. So Yeah, the, we added Michigan late last year. Like I was saying, that was the last state that we had killed in. It was kind of an unplanned thing. We had really good success and then ended up having a couple extra days, and that was a neighboring state, so we headed that way. And best advice I can give when you're calling those people is stay diligent. They're not, this is from my experience, is a lot of times those people holding those positions may be out of the office a lot. They're not real good at uh, you know responding quickly. Make yourself available so when they do call you back, you can you can grab a hold to them. And when you get them on the phone, make sure you have a list of information that you've thought of to ask them because you don't want to not ask them something you were wanting to know because it may be two, three weeks before you can get them on the phone again. And just because you may, if you're received by one person and not giving any good information and just get a bad vibe, call someone different. Like you were saying, there's there's people that uh, act as biologists over like national wildlife, you know, refuges or WMAs, wildlife management areas or national forests. And some of these people, even though it's part of their job, they're not receptive to hunters. They'd rather not even give you in, any information. And that's what I ran into in Michigan. The first person that I was able to get on the phone was a, was a biologist over a particular region in a national forest there, a huge national forest. And I just was able to, I realized quickly that she wasn't going to give me any information for reasons unknown, obviously, but quickly just stayed persistent and, and, and found someone else and was able to hit a home run with a guy. I mean, he really just uh, gave us that one little bit of information, just a starting point, which is all that, you know, you ever really need is just a starting point. And uh, we were able to, you know, roll roll the ball from there. So, right. Well, you know, I mentioned that you and I have something in common, and that's to kill a turkey in every state that has it. But how did you get on that kick and uh, wanting to kill a turkey in every state? How far along are you, and what states do you have left over? and take those in any order you want to. Let's see, uh, I've successfully killed a turkey in 41 states now, and appreciate that. You know, I like eight states. I'm hoping to finish that up in uh, this upcoming spring. I'm laying the planning board out in front of me now and seeing how I can hopefully get the stars to align to, to finish up. I uh, made the first step last week and purchased my plane ticket to Hawaii, so we'll be starting there first week of March. So I uh, like eight states. I've taken turkeys in 41 states. What got me started on it? I have yeah, no well, idea. I came up in the time when I kind of started having some success and traded a hunt with a guy in Oklahoma for a Rio. Now, he came here and killed his Eastern. I went there and killed my Rio, and, and that gave me three of the four uh, for the Grand Slam, but started in on it and then was able to kill my Grand Slam the next year. And after that, I was like, you know, let me. I want to do it in a single season. So the next year I did. You know, I planned everything out and I killed a single season slam. And then from then I was twiddling my thumbs, going, what next? For some reason, I guess I'm. I guess you call me goal oriented. For some reason, I don't have a clue why. But I just said, hey, I'd only heard of one other guy attempting this. I can't remember if he had completed it. I'm assuming he probably had completed it one time. I'd heard of one guy doing it and said, hey, why not? And I guess I just started on it then. I can't remember what year that was. Maybe. 
maybe 2009, 2010, maybe, and just started from there. Dave, yeah. you um, you kind of touched on it a second ago. You said that, you know, you started getting some success. Could you maybe share, you know, what's the biggest thing that's caused you to be so successful on public land? Is it, you know, just something that's trial and error, you know, just kind of learning um, as you go? Or Experience has a lot to do with it, I guess. When I say when I started having success, I guess I was just talking about starting to kill a few turkeys and and. and Everybody has that learning curve that never ends with turkey hunting. In my opinion, you uh, you adapt and, and morph into maybe a little better every year. When I started having success, I'm, I guess I'm just mentioning uh, you just you just a couple things click. It seems like it seems like it's an impossible task, and you just happen to look up a couple times a season there at the beginning. And then I got the realizing that you know um, you're not hunting some super creature. You're hunting a, a bird, you know, with a walnut-sized brain that just have an unmatched survival instinct. And in, in, in my opinion, and you just start you know treating them like that, and started you know killing a few more. I guess is what I meant by that. Yeah. So once you've identified a tract or two or three or five of public land that you want to hunt in a different state, how are you narrowing down where you're going to go on that tract of land? Because I know a lot of those tracts are really large throughout the South Dakota and you hunt the Black Hills. That's a million plus acres of mm-hmm. land to cover. I don't think you're just going to throw a dart and just go. You're going to probably <laughs> need to do some research on that. So how do you go yeah. about picking a spot once you determine what tract you're going on? A lot of times it has to do with the time of year, especially when you're going out west and hunt Miriams to where if you're in the early season, hunting the early season out there can be a completely different game than hunting the late season. You quickly realize the mannerisms of the birds of still being flocked up and still being uh, congregated toward uh, a food source, which is typically private property of some shape or form, you know, cattle or, or whatever it might be, and quickly figure out that's where you're going to find your birds. So I guess the, the best way I can explain finding a starting point on a big tract of property is make sure you know what kind of at least what you think the birds should be doing at that point whether they're going to be busted up a little bit more into smaller you know harems and, and in small groups um, or if they're going to still be huge flocks of birds that you're going to you know have to have to find and then uh, determine that limiting factor everywhere's got a limiting factor and you know birds need food and water and good roosting so find that limiting factor a lot of times when you're hunting out west it will be roosting that controls the turkey life a lot of times out west because there may be hundreds and hundreds of acres of just openness with only a handful of roost trees i mean if you can pinch down you know where they're roosting then you you know where you know you've got to put up on the game maybe water you know in certain areas like arizona they just don't have a lot of water and uh once you find the water you know you're finding trees here again which is roosting and you can find birds that way and then south dakota like you had mentioned early season I, I look for those little private parcels in the middle of those big tracts of public and that's a lot of times where your food may be right. um these uh birds are you know after the hay that the farmers are putting out to keep their you know if you're there early season there's probably still going to be some snow on the ground but i would highly advise to avoid but i just really dislike hunting in the snow turkey hunting in the snow but anyways yeah that's kind of just finding that limiting factor whatever that may be and always make sure you have several starting points. Don't ever put all your eggs in one basket when you're going to unfamiliar territory because you don't want to get burned. <laughs> right. You know, something that you hit on, well, there's a couple of things really that you hit on in that that I really want to stress to people that are listening. One of those, first and foremost, is what Dave is basically saying is you've got to know turkeys. You've got to know what turkeys like, what they do, what they eat, and let that really kind of drive you from there. 
you hunt east of the Mississippi, you don't much think about a tree because we got trees everywhere. But out west, that's a big deal. If you can find trees out west, you can generally find turkeys in areas that they've been restocked or in areas that they actually have them. And that's where doing your research before you go really pays off. So that I think, Dave, you, you really, your answer to that question was outstanding because if you're not hunting east of the Mississippi, there's generally one or two limiting factors out there when you're looking at a piece of land that will tell you whether or not it has turkeys on it and you touched on it because turkeys will eat pretty much anything. It's either water mm-hmm. or trees. So yep. <laughs> that was spot on in my opinion. And Rob, you have another question you want to throw out there, Dave? Well, I just, um, I think he's, you know, Dave, where you've had so much experience with public land and hunting and, and all that. Could you maybe share, you know, some of the biggest mistakes that maybe that, that you've that you've experienced or come across as far as choosing public land or, or calling tactics for public land or Sure, yeah. Picking out a couple mistakes, man, there's a bunch to choose from. I guess a couple of the mistakes that I really, really try to avoid now because when I made them, it was so monumental and it either cost me so much time or, you know, just flat out not having birds. If, um, if you are planning on, you know, hunting a, a hunting a, you know, another state, it's a blessing and a curse because you don't know one spot from the next. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. I know I keep saying that, but I say that to say, Make sure that you plan your trip so that you have multiple options. And when I say that, I don't mean you have this spot right here that you've, you know, you've researched and and whatnot, and then you have this spot right down the road that you've researched. Make sure that you plan to have options, say, two hours, two and a half hours north, two, two and a half hours west. Um, You're flexible. You're, You're traveling. You have a vehicle. You don't have anything tying you to a place. So try not to put your feet in the ground and stay somewhere. If the birds aren't being cooperative, that's not saying they're not being cooperative two hours north. Because I've made the big mistake of, you know, I did research in this piece of property and I go there and I just can't get on birds, birds, what few birds I can find. They're not cooperating. It's really a wrestling match. Just up and decide, hey, I'm going to go two and a half hours north and find birds that are just acting like the epitome of what what a turkey hunter wants to find. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've really taken that home, and if I spend a couple days somewhere, not seeing anything that I like, not hearing anything that I like, then by all means, you know, you you don't have to stay there. You know, move. That's one of the biggest mistakes that I've made is not having that second option. You know, it's, it's one thing to have this area and have five spots you like in this area, but it's a completely different animal to have something two and a half hours away because birds and, you know, obviously different elevations and different what food sources they have available may indicate what part of the breeding season they're in. You know, one group of birds may be a couple weeks ahead of or behind uh, those groups of birds. That would be the one that jumps out to me and another thing is plan around those breeding breeding periods to where the birds are cooperative like i was mentioning earlier about south dakota unless you want to spend a couple days finding the birds i wouldn't suggest going early in the season because it's harder to find the birds because all the birds are in one spot now once you find the birds you're dealing with a bunch of grouped up turkeys not impossible to kill them but it's just when you go later in the season once they've already busted up you know they're a lot easier to find and you may find a lonely gobbler that just wasn't there three weeks earlier right yeah that's a great point that's one that we don't really people like me that's going to plan an out-of-state hunt that we don't think about we just think of one you know wildlife management area and and you know it's a bust your your trip's done Mm -hmm. they're not cooperating but 
that's, that's a great point to scout out a couple hours away and have several different, you know, options available to you. Uh, yeah. I only say it because I've lived it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. I've, I've did that, and and then and it was it was New Jersey. I can go ahead and tell you, I struggled there for for several days, several several days, and just it was just one of those situations. I've done a lot of research, and it looked really good. Talked to a few biologists, and you know, yeah, there's turkeys here. We were deciding to hunt that part of the season because their season goes so long. We were there super late in the season. Northeast can be brutal to hunt late in the season, or not late in the season, the last week of the season. It can be very brutal in my experience. So, I mean, and it, it beat us up and, and for several days, and we were like, you know, it's time to up and change. Um, I actually had a friend that was about two and a half hours away, and he said, hey, I don't know what y'all are dealing with, but there are birds are fine. So we up and moved, and, you know, we rolled in at lunch, and we were lucky enough to to find one that was wanting to act right within the first hour. So it was one of the, you know, it was just right blaring in our face that we should have moved days ago, you know, when we got there and we just didn't see what we needed to see or wanted to see, then we should have, you know, by no means, and you know, need to stay in an area. So yeah. what do you typically do as far as accommodations are concerned when you go on these trips? Are you camping out? Are you doing primitive camping? Are you just getting a hotel, kind of playing it by ear for the night type of thing? What are you doing with that as far as that's concerned? My favorite way to hunt is just by vehicle. I like striking out from home in my in my truck, and I've adapted my truck to be a, a room on wheels, essentially. I have a uh, truck that I have a cap on, and I have a cot set up in the back of that that stays set up from you know, the first day of spring to the last day of spring, and I probably spend more days on that cot sleeping in the back of that truck than I do at home, for sure. And I have a little organized shelving system in my truck so that I've got everything that I need in there, a heater, a fan, tarps you know, cooking ware, whatever else I need. So basically, um, if I have it my way, um, I'm in my vehicle with everything that I need on my vehicle with me, cuts down on that travel time because, uh, when I when I go out of state, like like anybody, I would assume I'm in it to win it. So I hunt from you know as much as I physically can. And if you're in one of these states that cuts you off at noon, or one of these crazy states that won't let you hunt on Sundays, then I you know I scout at that time and then learn as much as I can about the terrain, topography, birds, or whatnot. So sleep is a, a very valuable piece of that equation that you got to have. That just kind of goes. You don't get much of it, in other words. So uh, having my vehicle there that I sleep in cuts down on me having to go look for a room after I've spent all day looking for a turkey. So um, that's my favorite way to do it. But now once you fly, that option's not there. Um, so yeah, typically then at that point in the game, uh, we, uh, we, you know, we shack up at the, at the closest room available. Something else that I would suggest is if you do have the luxury of having a friend in a, in a state, um, and this I've done several times, I'll pack a box for my sleeping bag at least. Uh, makes flying a lot easier too when you pack the majority of your stuff in a box and send it out there to them and then once you show up you swing by and pick up your box and uh slept many a night in the front seat of a of a rental in my sleeping bag so and that cuts down on you know accommodations and the cost like i said i'm not a i'm not a guy with a six-figure man that makes a lot of money you know i keep it as low cost and as efficient as possible because every dollar that i save i see that as going toward the next you know the next tag the next state on the list so Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another question you want to ask? Uh, just, I know you've got some uh, some good stories for us out of all your hunts. <laughs> Could you maybe share with us maybe one of your most memorable public land encounters and and maybe one of your least favorite public land encounters? Let's see. Uh, most favorite public land encounter. I appreciate every turkey so much. I love every one of them. So let me think. Let's see here. Favorite one. I'll just shoot for the. Uh, heck, I don't even know which one. Let's talk about. 
let's talk about that hunt I was talking about earlier, which was my first long-bearded Osceola turkey that I killed in public land down in, it was actually in the Big Cypress National Preserve down there in, way down in South Florida, and I was down there, had located this, what looked like a field to me, on uh, Google Earth, and was bound and determined at daylight that we were going to go to that field. That's where I was going to find some turkey. And if you hunt Florida public land, it cuts off at 1 o'clock. Quickly figured out one of those mistakes that I have made that I was talking about in that huge pile of mistakes that I have made is what we call or what the Florida guys in there call crashing is where you turn into something that doesn't have a trail. doesn't seem like a big deal if you're hunting in North Georgia that I mean, you're on relatively clean property where you can you know navigate yourself through the hardwoods without a road or a trail, but you don't do that in South Florida. You know, it, you'll get into a palmetto thicket that, you know, you literally can't see through. But we did that for most of the morning. I guess it was about 11.30 when we finally busted out of this swamp of a, you know, palmetto thicket and been in the waist-deep water all morning, knowing good and well we weren't in within 100, 100 miles of a turkey. Um, bumped into another hunter as we come out of that and chatted with him for a second. And we just asked him where the nearest road was that would it might lead us back because we were looking to get out of there. You know, we only had another hour and a half to hunt. To shorten this story up a little bit, we got out to this was an old buggy path, and, and uh, I said, you know what, I bet this buggy path takes me to uh, that meadow that I was talking about. This was before cell phones that had all the imagery that where you could just punch it up and look at it. Anyways, I followed that buggy path, and sure enough, about a little ways on down the trail, another mile or so, um, we opened up into these beautiful, just, you know, native, just beautiful meadows out in the middle of that just mess um, that was surrounded by like some pine strands and the little uh, cypress hammocks just came right out of it so beautifully and told my buddy that I was that I was hunting with I said this is where we'll kill turkey right here we just got to be back here by you know daylight in the morning well we're on our way out it's about 90 degrees and we have zipped off we were wearing the trick light pants or whatever zipped them off so we were in shorts and took our shirts off and stuffed them in our turkey vest and we were just stripped down to nothing um because we knew we had about three and a half miles out of this mess and it was 90 degrees in you know florida so uh, as we're walking out we're about halfway out and i heard something and i said man that wasn't a turkey but that was something odd so i stopped my bus did you hear that he says no nah, it was just a uh you know, it was just something in the distance. That wasn't a turkey. Well, I had rested my gun against a little cypress tree there because I was just going to check it just in case because I didn't believe him. I trusted what my ears heard. And as soon as I did, turkey gobbled like 100 yards away. Um, you want to talk about shredding some cotton. We quickly had to put shirts and whatever on, jumped in a clump of palms there right off the edge of the road. And I said, you point to the left and I'll point to the right. Whichever way he comes down is which one will kill him. And quickly helped him up. And, and uh, that was my first Osceola Longbeard right there. And it was right at 1 o'clock. And we were about two miles back off in the in the big Cypress National Preserve in the middle of the swamps, and that was uh, extremely gratifying. I can I can promise you, after the morning that we had trudging through the uh, mess that I had put us in, so that was definitely a good feeling. Let's see, you asked about one of the worst ones. I should have started off with something different because I'm sure the worst one come from Florida too. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but let's it, see. I guess Florida um, like that. Florida is very much like that. That's why it's so so much fun to, to have success down there and to kind of um, figure out the figure out how their ball game works down there because it's a little different than the ball games everywhere else. So um, let's see. One of the worst ones. I'll, I'll go somewhere different. I'll go to the second hardest place or second most pressured place. I guess I, I found on this uh, journey I'm on is uh, Louisiana. And them boys in Louisiana don't play. That's some turkey hunting fools there too. Now I'm here to tell you. And I had uh, I chosen a WMA that was only open for one week. So they had a couple of quota hunts, I think, before that. And then they had one week of hunting, you know, free-for-all that one week. 
pressure is not something I usually, except you're t- unless you're talking about Florida pressure, not something I usually sink my teeth into and really, really care that much about. Because in my opinion, if there's turkeys there, I kind of go in, like I said, with I'm going to win it attitude. I'll figure it out regardless of the people. I'll get where the people can't get kind of situation. I'm just, I guess, hard-headed like that. But Louisiana, uh, this particular place that I went wasn't very large and there was only five access points and the problem with this area and it's going to sound weird was even though there was just a couple access points there was only a few places you could go off those access points because the terrain just didn't allow it so it it forced you to hunt next to somebody there it was impossible to uh, to get away from the people and i stayed down there i think for five and a half days before I had chalked it up to I needed to find a different area to hunt. Now, on day three, and I, I think it was three, it rained like cats and dogs, so the people didn't show up. And as soon as it stopped, of course, I'm out of state. I didn't have anywhere else to go. So as soon as that rain stopped, I was out there, and I should have killed a turkey. I made a rookie mistake. But um, it happens to everybody, I suppose. But that was definitely one of those situations to where I was like, that was something that I wouldn't, wouldn't, I won't send anybody else back to that spot. I can promise you that. <laughs> and uh, those Louisiana boys, I'm here to tell you, they were in there two hours before daylight and they stayed in there till after dark. And I mean, they, they hunted hard, as hard, harder than anybody else, you know, anywhere else that I've hunted. So definitely a negative one there. <laughs> did you end up killing a bird on that hunt or did you have to go back to Louisiana? No, I went back the next year and then picked a different piece of uh, public land and went in to a different piece of public land that next year and was able to kill a bird there on the second day. And I had planned on hunting it. Let's see, I hunted it the first day I hunted it. And, and here again, there was there was hunters there. I mean, and it was during the middle of the week I planned to go. And them, them guys in Louisiana, buddy, they're, they're serious about it, just like, you know, everything else. And I had some people with me, you know, hunting around me that first day, but was able to find birds. And the second day was able to uh, capitalize on a, on an awesome hunt, you know, a beautiful hunt. Was able to call in two birds in a, just a, just a beautiful, like, like river swamp type setting, just big trees, green grass up under it. Just found them in the right mood and, and was able to take a bird that second year. So, yeah, that was the first state that I had ever been to that I didn't kill a turkey in. You know, I'm hard-headed in that fashion. I have been to a state and had to go back in that same year to kill a turkey in it. But that state, uh, Louisiana, I had to go back um, the following year again, and it was just kind of, you almost take it like getting pushed by the bully. You know, you, you really you really want to get back in there and get back at him. So that was ended up being a good, good hunt. But that first experience with Louisiana was tough pill to swallow. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed part one of the interview with Dave and Rob. Part two will be coming up next week where I am sure you're going to learn even more information about choosing the right piece of public land for turkey hunting. So you are going to want to tune into that. And in the interest of time and to keep myself out of the doghouse since I am on vacation at the beach, I am cutting you loose. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, 
as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.